It's interesting at this time of the year because you hear from all the different Gospel lessons because we have the Nativity of Christ and it's followed by His baptism. It would seem natural that this would happen in our minds today because birth and baptism are connected and they usually go right together. Shortly after birth, someone is baptized. didn't happen that way for Christ, though, if we remember. Christ was born, and He wasn't baptized till 30 years later. He technically didn't need baptism. The Son of God doesn't need to be baptized. But He did it to give an example for the people and so that the Holy Trinity could make its presence known. Because the moment He's baptized, the moment He submerses Himself under the water, there's a voice from heaven that calls out. So the Father is present through His voice. The Son is present through His being. And the Holy Spirit comes down as the dove. So the Holy Trinity is made present. And it changes the name of, or the, the, the meaning of baptism because the important thing about baptism now becomes receiving the Holy Spirit, not simply the forgiveness of sins. But I'm digressing a little bit. What I really wanted to talk about was something different, which is the nature of the four Gospels that we have. Because you can clearly hear the voices of each individual author in them. And it's in some ways easiest to see this at the beginning of each of their Gospels and at the end of each of their Gospels. So today we heard from Mark. Some modern scholars think that Mark was the first one who wrote a Gospel lesson. The Orthodox Church generally through the scholars of the Orthodox Church, believes that it was Matthew. But the two were very, very close together. In Mark, he begins off just as you heard today. And he starts off with the baptism of Christ. Mark is the shortest of all the Gospel writers. And he immediately gets into the heart of the matter, which is Jesus' preaching. The work that he does for the people of God leading up to His crucifixion. Mark, it seems like he's pushing constantly to get to that moment of the crucifixion. But he begins with the baptism because it's after the baptism that Christ begins His ministry. And Mark helps to explain exactly what happened at the baptism and why it's important. At the end of Mark's Gospel, we hear the Great Commission. Jesus sending out the apostles throughout all the world, preaching the Word of Christ. And that it ends almost abruptly. St. Mark is trying to get us to understand the importance of that ministry of Christ because that's all he focuses on. Just that period of time. Three years. That's it. Matthew, St. Matthew, is a little different. He's the first that appears in the books of the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew starts with what? We heard it just the other week. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. His purpose 
is to reach out to the Jews of the time. One of his main purposes. There are several purposes for each. And for Matthew, one of his purposes is to reach out to the Hebrews of the time to make sure that they understand that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the one who fulfills the Scriptures, the one that the prophets had all talked about. And so he begins his Gospel in a way that the Hebrews would clearly understand, and that's through a genealogy, showing that Jesus can be traced to Abraham especially. The end of his book is the Great Commission, just like Mark, where Jesus sends out the disciples. It's a little bit more clear, though, in St. Matthew. He takes a little bit more time and says, you go out and baptize. And you baptize this way in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Very clear. There's no mistaking about how baptism should be done when you read St. Matthew. Then we have St. Luke. So St. Mark focuses on the ministry of Christ, driving to that crucifixion, but beginning with his baptism and then driving to the crucifixion. Matthew starts with the genealogy because he wants everyone to know that Jesus is coming through the Scriptures as the Hebrews had understood them. And he ends with, both of them end with Jesus going out into the world, uh, the disciples going out into the world preaching Christ. Luke gives a little more detail about things that happen in Christ's, from Christ's birth on and pre-Christ's birth. Luke spent a lot of time with the Virgin Mary. Luke's, one of Luke's main job, one of Luke's main jobs was to preach to the Gentiles. And so he begins with the whole story, so to speak. And he starts with what happened to the Virgin Mary, how the Virgin Mary was chosen to be the mother, how the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she conceived through the Holy Spirit, Christ. That's where St. Luke begins. Then he gives a genealogy. And then he gets to all the other activities that happen and gives a few snippets of Christ's childhood that are not anywhere else in the Scriptures. He ends also with the Great Commission, a little bit differently than Matthew and Mark, but the point for St. Luke is to make sure that everybody in the world knows that this message is for them. It's not exclusive for any one group. All of St. Luke's Gospel has that theme that goes through it as well. And then we come to the fourth Gospel that was written, St. John. He begins completely different than Saints Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the synoptics because they sort of view the life of Christ from a similar viewpoint, the same eyes almost, though you can clearly see the distinctions in the authorship. St. John is completely different. His begins, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. St. John's is very theological. He wants to make sure that everybody knows that Jesus Christ is not just the human being, but He's fully God. Because by the time John is writing, there are heresies out. And some of these heresies are starting to say that Jesus is not fully God in some way. So John wants to make sure people understand that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. That He is the same as God. And throughout His Gospel, He gives the most detailed accounts of the words of Christ, but particularly as they pertain to His relationship with the Father. And how our relationship with the Father has to go through Christ. Has to go through Him. John focuses on that strong theology. And at the end of his Gospel, he says, and there are many other things that were done by Christ. If all of them were written down, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So what John wants to let us know is that there are many, many other things that the Gospels, all of them together, could not completely relate about Christ and all the things that He did in His ministry for the people. Again, to show the grandeur, the majesty, the magnitude of what Jesus Christ had done from a theological perspective. So, I bring this up today because over the last two weeks we've heard from the beginnings of Matthew and Mark and Luke. In March, we're going to hear again from the beginning of Luke. And we also don't hear from John at this time of the year because he doesn't talk about the birth. He doesn't talk tons about the baptism. He does, but not as like Luke and Matthew and Mark. But he begins theologically, and that's why his is read the first Gospel on Easter. But this time of year really does give us an understanding of how each of the Gospels as a distinct author has a particularity in the message that they want to deliver, and each one offers us an individual way that they saw and understood and want to relate Christ to the world. So at this time of the year, let's think about that as we go through these Gospel lessons. As you have your bulletins and you read them during the service and mostly after the service when you have more time to really contemplate them. Think about the individual nature of the Gospel writers and the messages that they are offering to us. Amen.